In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. That's right. It's In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Guess who Ryan Roxy is? That would be me. And guess who you are? You are there listening somewhere out there in a car, in a train, in a plane. Yo, you're not in planes or trains. We are still all in our houses, aren't we? Probably in your living room, probably not wearing pants. But here we are at a special live stream edition of In the Trenches. Welcome. Thank you very much for showing up on Instagram. And uh, we're not even on Instagram, on Facebook. Facebook Live and uh, obviously YouTube. So right off the bat, thank you for coming. Today is one of those gigs where I am going to be very relaxed because I don't have to do anything. I just have to sit back and let it all unfold because our guest today, you guys all know him. You guys already support him. You already love him. I saw how many people were in the chat room before the show even started. So um, you obviously are huge supporters of his bands, uh, both his bands that he plays in. Um, I get to play with him every single night on stage right with Alice Cooper, but he also fronts his own band um, with one of our guests that was on a couple of weeks ago, Calico Cooper. Would you please welcome to In the Trenches, guitarist, a front man, Bisto Blanco him himself chuck garrick welcome to in the trenches there ah folks if you haven't heard beardgate comes to the trenches (laughs) come to me what's up buddy what's happening man i feel like i'm interviewing cat stevens it's great (laughs) you know the beard has been uh it's been it gets i think the beard is getting as popular as slash's top hat it could be your thing. <laughs> you know, I, I don't even have my red, white, and blue wristband yeah. on tonight because I'm letting all the focus shine on your beard. And actually, for those Aww. of you that are listening on the podcast, whether it's um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, or Spotify, you got to get yourself over to the old YouTube or Facebook Live and uh, so you can visualize all that is Chuck Garrick today. So <laughs> what's happening, buddy? Hey man, I'm just uh, well, you know, got a lot going on. I uh, <laughs> I was gonna lot on your plate. I got up a little bit later than usual. I was gonna get dressed. I figured why. So I'm still in my robe. I did manage to take a shower, and uh, yeah, man, this was uh, something that uh, I was actually very grateful, but at the same time a little upset that you'd asked me to be on the show, only because you you actually you know you gave me responsibility. I had to be somewhere at a certain time, and I actually gave you not used to that. But I, I, um, I have to say that in all honesty, um, I have not hated the time off and the, the time to just sort of chill out and relax and reevaluate and, and all that stuff. Although I understand that, you know, that not because of the, the C word um, am I giving it any credit or anything, but it's been nice to have um, – a little bit of time because for most of the people out there that know and you know um i've been at this for 17 20 years and it just never have i had time off during you know may I june think, honestly you know because we we both have been associated in the alice camp a uh a very for a very long time the alice cooper camp and Sort sort of on and off years. I've been around since '96, but I think consistently, you might win the award for consistency of the longest consistent member yeah. of the Alice Cooper Band. Is that true? I I think so. I, I haven't I, I haven't missed any 
shows except for this last year in October in in London when uh, Chris Wise filled in for me, which was the first time I'd ever had a sub. And that includes, you know, charity events and, you know. That's in 2004, right? Was it it 2003 or 2004? 2002, 2003, I think 2002, 2003. I don't know. Look at sick things, UK. Always refer. Go to my MySpace. Because it's still up on MySpace. But you know, Ryan, it's not only, and, and you you know this, it's not just Alice Cooper. I mean, it's there was a, a year I remember I did Alice Cooper, Billy Bob Thornton, and the Eric Singer Band, and I literally had one month off in the whole 12-month period of, wow. of time, you know? Well, being that you just said that, happy birthday to Eric Singer today. Yeah, happy you know that. birthday. There you go, Eric Singer, the Yoda of rock and roll. And uh, just big shout out. I can see the chat is filling up with a lot of our people that uh, listen to us and watch us uh, quite frequently. But then there's a lot of new people here. And that's all because of Chuck Garrick and the Bisto Blanco flock. I love it. So if you are new to this, just uh, give us a little subscribe. Yeah. What do you guys call yourself? Are you beast? Loyal you're loyal beasts. beasts. That's right. Loyal beasts. You're, if you're loyal beasts, uh, you guys can sort of cross pollinate with the RGA, which is the Roxy Guitar Army. Become one, and maybe you already are part of both, which is fine. I say it's it's good to have everybody in one sort of umbrella. We all are under the sort of the riding the coattails of the Alice Cooper <laughs> train, you know, or magic carpet or whatever that has been for so many years. But there's so many things that I want to. Uh, just address and then just let you talk about because I think a lot of interviews and a lot of people that are watching right now might not know about the earlier years. And I did a little bit of uh, research and of course, everybody on the team, whether it's Robbie or Dave or Vic or Scotty, they helped with this script today. So um, if you're not happy with the questions, please blame them. Okay. (laughs) Because because last week we almost had uh, Mike. Well, Mike Monroe almost, uh, you know, he asked one question that that uh, Dave the rat came up with and it started uh, Michael Monroe on a tirade. So hopefully (laughs) none of my questions about turd or the droots will spark you into a rage. Hey, man, you know, I'm not going to yell at those guys. I know that it's, you know, (laughs) they're under a lot of pressure anyway. And who knows? Are they wearing their Nikes? It's not hard. Is it, you know how hard it is to work for David Koresh? Apparently, <laughs> I, apparently, I look like a uh, a sort of cool. B list a B list actor trying out for the made for TV role of uh, David Koresh. And yeah, there you go. I, I with glasses and all. I didn't know that he had the same and sort of. And was a musician, bro. I'm telling you. Well, you know what? I, I I'm looking at some places in Waco. Waco has some good, good, good real estate. I got to tell you, and I heard there's a big compound there for sale. But um, anyway, we remodeling <laughs> a little bit, a little spackle. Just <laughs> a little spackle. Um, so anyway, I wanted to talk. You addressed real quick that this you're having this. We are having this break. But and, and just so the people know, it's we want to be out there rocking and rolling for you. But I was I was texting with Kyler, who's Alice Cooper's assistant yesterday. Back forth, he lives in Nashville. And that's I think that you're uh, streaming to us live from a steakhouse somewhere in Nashville, aren't we? Correct. 
Okay, I can see by the by the cow's head in the back. It's just order the hey, blooming onion. It's good. I had to run after that thing. It took at least like twelve or fifteen steps to catch up to him. <laughs> Is that, was that the uh, you got that? So that's a Ted Nugent thing, huh? I love yeah. it. So hey. anyway, Kyler was saying, you know, we were texting back and forth, and I was saying, you know, maybe this is the break that all of us were kind of too afraid to admit to ourselves that we needed, you know, like just off the road for a while. And, and like I said, it has nothing to do with us not wanting to be on the way. We want to work, trust me, but yeah. nobody wants to stop that train going. And, no. and, but it was forced. And, and he kind of agreed with me like, Hey, maybe this was like a, a forced thing that we didn't want to face ourselves, but we're all sort of getting some out of it now. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we all, it, it, there's a lot of time spent together. People have got to realize that when we're not on stage, we're backstage together. We're after the show on the bus together and, and playing cards. And, and I I think more in the in Europe than in the States, we, we have a sort of a bigger bus and we're able to spend time up, you know, upstairs where the bunks are and in the front lounge and and we have some time to talk and that's i think where everybody sort of opens up and we just say you know i know kyler has kids i have um my daughter uh but you know i also have my mom who's getting older and i don't get to see her as much or get the time to visit so all of those emotions sort of come out but we know we have a responsibility um in our careers as a as a musician it's something that <clears throat> i know ryan and i've talked about for hours on end, but it's something that uh, I've been doing my whole life. It's like my right. I haven't changed since I was 13, 14 years old. I'm still going to band practice. I'm still writing songs. I'm still <laughs> learning songs. I'm still trying to learn to play bass and I'm still discovering music. But, you know, when you reach this level, you're, you got to tour. And when you do that, it takes you away from um, the things that you uh, you've worked so hard to sort of become comfortable with and, and home is one of them, uh, being able to just be rooted. Me as a Taurus, feel like, um, you know, I long to be in a place where I'm comfortable and, and want to be there. So the break was definitely, uh, you know, uh, it was a little scary in how abrupt it happened, but I've been embracing it and trying to take time to, uh, you know, just reflect and take advantage of the break, not just sit there in front of the TV. I can't even remember the last time I turned the TV on, to be honest with you. But just, you know, learn a new skill, take time to call family more often, um, you know, support your thing that you're doing, and which, by the way, you do so well. Thanks, but, man. You know, it's been, it's been, uh, it's like I've, I've, people have said it, and I think we can all agree. I mean, these are, these are some strange times, but – I do think if we don't take advantage of them, um, because it's going to end, and when it does, we're all going to be back. Um, what did you do? What did you do that was good? What did you do that was good for the world, good to yourself, good for your inner self? Um, what did you do with it? What did you do with all this time? So yeah. hopefully you, you figured something out and you did something about it. Well, and then at the I end of the day, beard. at the end of the day, everyone's going to say, well, Chuck grew a beard. <laughs> Let's talk about that because seriously, we're, we're going to talk about it. Don't worry, folks in the chat. We are going to talk about the beard, but those are wise words from Chuck Garrick, who all of a sudden, for some reason, looks a, much, a bunch more wiser. And, uh, <laughs> but I want to I want to talk about what came first. Was it turd 
or the Droots? And this is going way, way back because we we talked about this is what you wanted to do since you were a kid. You, uh, and as well as I have, I just wanted to play music for a living. And I know that that Turd, which I believe morphed into the Droots, were one of the first bands that you had. And I want to take uh, the listeners and uh, the viewers a little bit back in time of where you were because you kind of started out as a Seattle guy, right? Well, no. So I grew up in Lake Tahoe, California. Northern California guy. Northern California, yeah. Small town. Uh, there was no real music scene. I mean, there was only like a handful of us kids that loved, um, you know, metal and rock and roll. And and I happened to live right across the street from um, two of them, Michael and uh, John Kokoris. And John played drums. And Michael, at the age of 16, who was older than us, I was 13 or 14, could play guitar and knew you know all the eddie van halen and all the jimmy page riffs and he would always say well let's do stairway to heaven and michael would say well what do you want to do the live version or the album version at 16 the guy was just a virtuoso he was amazing and he's the one who really taught me how to play bass so uh, my first band was called uh, touch of class Ooh, man yeah touch of we, class. Uh, we did a uh, I believe I frequented that bar before. (laughs) (laughs) We all wore matching uh, light blue uh, shirts with white pants. And we were way ahead of the hellbop. Vic, put up a picture of that. If 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 he's that good of a producer, he will put up a picture of that right now. Does does one exist? I don't think so. It does my mom's photo album. I know that. Oh my God. Anybody out there that's watching or listening from Lake Tahoe, if you can find an old touch of class flyer. <laughs> no, no, no. It was one show. We did only oh. one night, one night only. We did a talent show at a Harvey's and I, I just got my bass. Gosh, man, I had it maybe just a couple of weeks. And we did uh, a song called Give Me the Night by George Benson. Give Me the Night. Yeah, I know that. That was your song. Yeah, that was the song we covered. We had this guy, his name was Sean Mahoney, and he was sort of like the younger version of Meatloaf. Could sing, like, his, his, amazing. His mom was a backup singer for the Turtles or whatever. But Sean was fantastic. We had a hype guy playing the tambourine and getting everyone excited. You had a bez. I love it. Yeah, and we and we played. And now, if you, if you listen to the song, Give Me the Night, listen to the bass line. Um, I know what I played that night, which was boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Boom, boom. I think it was the key, B. I played B the entire time. Anyway, we won. We won first prize, which was a trophy. And, uh, and so from there on, that was my first band, Touch of Class. But now Turd was formed also in, in Lake Tahoe. And, oh, okay, uh, so it was formed. Turd was formed in yeah. Lake Tahoe, and then it, then it migrated either north or south. No, so, so what happened was um, – I got no facts right. Just let, so me, let me let me I'll give you the, the the how the order real quick, which was I grew up in Lake Tahoe, graduated high school, immediately moved to Los Angeles, went to Dick Grove School of Music, stayed in Los Angeles. Uh, the late ninety or mid early nineties when the grunge era happened, I was in a band called Dead of Winter with Brian Young from Fountains of Wayne, the drummer who's now the drummer. And he, wow. him and I went to, to Seattle with a band called Dead of Winter. That's where they were from. I lived there for a little over a year, moved back to L.A., uh, 
hanging out at Tammy Downs place on the rocks or whatever that was. <laughs> ah, that was, yeah. I remember yeah. the club that he'd have. It was like, he had, he had a couple of different clubs. Well, yeah, obviously we Cat had, House. We but had then, a good time, yeah. Yeah. And then so, I, so I met my, uh, 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 Leisha's mom there, my daughter's mom. And we ended up moving to Lake Tahoe to uh, have a family and save some money. Uh, I know when we moved there, I had a, a van that, um, you know, barely ran and 75 bucks in my bank account and had a kid on the way. So I instantly had to get the, my act together. So, um, so wait, Chuck, you're saying, you're saying that you lived in Lake Tahoe and you had a van. So you literally had a van down by the river. I had a van down <laughs> by the river. Absolutely. We literally, we had no place to live. And you lived in a van down by the river. <laughs> That is a classic. No, my, I, listen, man, if people really could get inside of what my life has been like and, and <laughs> seriously what my, my family is like at times, I think you'd be shocked at how well adjusted I actually am. I think you give me a lot more credit <laughs> for myself. But with all, with all um, you know, with all, <laughs> I, I had a responsibility. And as you know me more than anybody is I, I am, you know, I'm a stand-up guy. I'm a, I'm a hardworking guy. So within a matter of a couple of months, I had my own business, construction business. I went from $75 in the bank to making, you know, 30, 40 grand a year installing garages. Which is big back then. Yeah. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, we had a nice house and my daughter was born and everything was everything was a-okay. Now I was still playing music for fun. And at that time I was a pretty accomplished bass player. Um, and there was, uh, some brothers, um, the Morris brothers. Now, John Morris is the guitar player in a band called dig from Los Angeles, which I know you I remember know. dig. Yeah. With Anthony played drums as well. Exactly. On that band. Yeah. And, and they had that song, uh, believe, which was a huge hit for them. They're on the what? clips or whatever on MTV and their brother Ian or his brother Ian and his brother, Derek, um, all very talented individuals and um, heavy, heavy beer drinkers at the time. Had a band called Turd, which was this sort of Iggy Pop, John Spencer Blues explosion. Just a little out of tune. And, and never, In a cool way. Yeah. Man, we could talk a good game and our rehearsals were amazing. But come showtime, it just couldn't, it never could happen. Somebody just spent too much time you know, with their dealer or at the bar or whatever. And it was just always a disaster. But our first record was uh, Turn Up the Volume, which was an EP. And then we went to the, the LP. We had a record deal on uh, 13 grade records in, in Hollywood. And they, they brought us out there and we did Turdsville, USA, which was our uh, our first and our second album. And uh, we had plans to do the third record, which was titled... Uh, the uh, third world war, but we never got that far. You, you really, you really milking the puns. Aren't you? That's, hey, how could you not with a name like that? The Brown yeah. album. Give me a break. But, uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. So it was, it was, honestly, I listen back to that stuff. I'm just amazed at how really true it was and how honest it was. And uh, it, it, and, and Ian Morris was uh, this singer, main songwriter in the band and sort of, you know, I had a really interesting vocal tone. And um, as I started to, you know, sing more with Ian, I sort of developed that growl with him to sort of match up with him, which, which turned into the way I kind of sing now a little bit of it. Um, especially the early Bisto stuff. That's um, cool. That's cool. Yeah. That, 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 was, that was part of your upbringing, sort of the, yeah. the yeah. germation, the seeds of Bisto. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? Turd is a really good fertilizer for that. Huh? Huh? I, I can yeah. get on the puns too, huh? Hey, you know what? It, 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 from that, from the turd, you know, think about it. it was, you know. The, the, if you guys would just put a hell out. flower. If you would have held hound long enough for like the streaming world, and you just would have lasted together, you could have had you know your your greatest hits would have been download the ultimate download. Yeah. How about that turd? The ultimate download collection. The best uh, one ever. And I, we'll go. We'll move on from this. We'll move on. So you guys know there was a Ian's an amazing artist. Did most of my tattoos and things like that. But anyway, he had developed this character, and it was a picture of uh, the King Elvis Presley on a on the toilet with pills everywhere and a flying V in the background. Um, and he's hunched over and you're not sure if he's alive or dead, but you can pretty much imagine, but it said death of the King birth of the turd. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh no, man. Yeah, it was great. But anyways, it was, I, I think we need to move on because we, <laughs> we moved to, uh, we moved to Los Angeles because we were going to be big rock stars and that didn't last that long. But um, anyway, from there, uh, I uh, I stayed in Los Angeles and then formed the Droots, which was turned backwards, backwards. Uh, with Brother Latham, uh, who's now the guitar player in Bisto Blanco. And uh, so that was the beginning of, of us collaborating and uh, starting a band. And uh, so from there, it turned into Bisto. And on our first record, songs like uh, Live Fast, Die Loud and... Um, uh, the self-titled song Bisto Blanco are all sort of riffs from uh, I beg to differ is all riffs from uh, the Droops. Droops. Wow. See, yeah. So it, it does kind of go back to saying, you know, when I'm at clinics or whatever I'm doing, when I'm, if I'm in front of a crowd, I always be cool to the people you're playing with right now, because they'll usually lead you to your next gig. And that obviously happened with me, with Gilby Clark yeah. and, you know, with candy and evolving into his solo stuff. And then Alice seen us from there, but you're saying that so many of the, not just the ideas, but the, the actual members, brother Latham started yeah. with the Droots. That's very yeah. cool. I yeah. Not yeah. It was it was really cool, man, and it it's a, it's a it's a journey, right? It's this it's this thing, and I think in it just in general, I mean, obviously the 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 thing there is just be nice to the people around you, because I mean, regardless what what happens, you never know what people are going to offer. I mean, think about it. You couldn't do this show without you know Vic coming around, and and you've made a relationship True. with him, and he and and using his his super talents, and yeah. and you know Vic's one of those guys that you you know you're not quite sure what was going to. You know, here's this guy. He's a fan, but he's also becomes a friend and becomes becomes somebody that we can. There he is, folks. Everybody, give Vic a big shout out. Hey, listen, I I've, I'm very fond of Vic. He he came out and he spent uh, what was it a day or so with uh, a couple of days with Bisto during uh, our tour. Uh, you're muted. Uh, you're muted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what he told you not to do. He just did. There you go. Bisto Carmo. Got a free. Yeah, you know, it was so much fun. We had a great time. Yeah. And I remember everybody just fell in, everyone just fell in love with you and uh and it was it was super comfortable and, and he were at Rocklahoma with us and it was just nice to 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 see the how the relationships come from, you know, uh someone buying the VIP package and sitting front row with their their, you know, brown Ryan Roxy T-shirt on. To look, look what he's wearing today, though. Look what he's wearing today. He's sporting yeah. the colors. And and I think there's there's some people listening uh, in watching the chat. I think they're wearing their Bisto gear today as well, uh, uh, yeah. too. So, uh, Vic, real oh, quick, 
Oh, look at that. Available at bistoblanco.com. Um, there you go. Already, did you have any question or quick comment that you wanted to make before I give you the hook? Because I want to give you the hook. Give you the hook. Okay. Yeah, just give you the hook now. I, I am curious about Chuck's workout regimen. <laughs> Everybody knows Chuck for his abs, and I know you you have a real strict diet and all that sort of stuff, but a lot of people are real curious about what you do. I know you're working the farm, out there sawing wood and all that kind of stuff, but what else? I'm, I'm giving them the hook. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what is it? What's the whole thing we well, said? We said your workout regimen: <laughs> vodka, vodka, and soda. <laughs> yeah, skinny, skinny bitch. Skinny uh, bitch. You know, I don't. I, I wish I was regimented. I wish I had. I was routine. I, I, I'm not, Vic. Um, I mean, truth be told, uh, you know, you, if you look at my mom now, she's 81 years old and she's she's ripped and she's still tiny and. Um, I was, I was blessed with some good genetics, but yes, I mean, I do eat clean. I am, you know, I have, um, you know, a high blood sugar, high glucose. So I'm, I'm, uh, I have to make sure that I, I watch what I eat. So I try to eat as clean as possible, stay on a strict high protein diet. Um, uh, I, I don't work out weights really at all. Uh, I, I do mostly just yoga and stretching at the house. Uh, Unless it's 20 minutes before a show, then you're working out the stuff. You're working out any weights at all. I do very, very light. I think the most I'll ever get into is maybe 15 pounds at the most. Uh, Just because I've always been a fan of somebody like um, Bruce Lee was sort of a, his body type was a big, I was a big fan of as a kid. I remember I used to take a lot of karate. And uh, as a, as a young kid, I I did work out a lot, um, but I always did lightweights because I, somebody somewhere told me if you want definition, you're, you're going to want to just keep lightweight. So that's just sort of something I've done my whole life. I've never wanted to bulk up. And, you know, uh, that's never been something that's been a desire of mine. But um, my body, my muscle metabolism and my muscles, they react very quickly to to workouts. And so uh, uh, if, I, if I do get a new routine or a new exercise or something like that, I can notice uh, changes immediately. Uh, so I'm an X-Man pretty much is what I'm saying. <laughs> but what I think you have is discipline. That I think helps you more than so many other things that obviously you could do to even strengthen your body more. But the discipline that you have not to eat certain things, because I'm with you on the road. We, me and you are yeah. bus buddies. You know, we're poker buddies. We're golf buddies. We hang around each other a lot when we're on the road. And I see you. I see the way you eat. I see how healthy you do. And let's admit, diet is a big part of it. And it's everything. Yeah. So, it's well, everything. not everything, because you got exercises too. I've seen you do, yeah. you do your thing, man. I do. I, I try to do something every day, and especially when I'm on the road. Um, uh, but I mean, look, you can look at pictures. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to use this word. It's so funny. I, I, sorry, but I do fluctuate, you know, I, I've been <laughs> heavier. And, and you, those times where you see that there's not so much definition, that, those are the times I think I was I was realizing something was wrong. And that's when I had gone to the doctor and realized that my A1Cs were, were higher than everybody else. So I'd realized that I was, my intake was, I was having, I was, you know, I was eating too many items that had too much sugar in them. So I had to really watch that. So carbs and sugar were the main thing. And I had to educate myself on that stuff. For everyone. And, everyone. and, and, and yeah. you know, and I, and I know alcohol is a big part of it. And, and, and I, I try to stay, I try to stay, uh, you know, uh, 
good with that stuff. I don't overindulge. And, and uh, if I do have a, a night where we're, we're having a good time, then I'll take the next couple of days off. You know, that's, it's just all about, you know, moderate moderation and, you know, having things, not, not consuming all, just taking little bites as you, as you, as you go on through life, you know? There you go. Did that answer your question there, Mr. Vic? Are you going to give me the hook now? Is that what I'm giving you about? the hook. But, but real quick, I will say this. The most important thing I ever did, and this is the truth, was I discovered meditation and I discovered yoga. And when I learned about those things and the effect that they had on me um, has absolutely changed everything. So I, I would definitely recommend the three things would be diet, meditation, and yoga. And uh, just uh, go from there. And you know what, man? Be happy with what you got. Yeah, that's you know? true. That is true. I'm going to give myself the hook. I'm going to give well, the one thing we did talk about is like we said before we, we uh, met with you, Chuck, we said the group, you know, the, the, the sort of team, we said, well, as long as the conversation is going one way, let's not steer it another way. Okay. Go ahead. And, and whatever you do, remember to not to unmute your mic. So Vic <laughs> comes on with a muted mic and then takes the conversation a hard left. <laughs> but, thank you. I'm going to Brian, the conversation. that one thing you should never do. And that's have a plan. You that's know true. better than anybody. Damn it. All right. You have a plan. I'm pulling this sucker. Oh, I'm pulling it back on track to the rock because you, I, again, between the turds and the druids, I did not know all that history uh, existed before. And I think a lot of the listeners did not know. As a lot of listeners might not know, what I might consider your big break, I don't know if you consider it your big break, but you got hired to play bass. And that's how I first met you with the man, Ronnie James Dio. Please tell that story about how, or do you consider that your one of your big breaks? Uh, it was... It was not only one of my big breaks, but I think it was um, like in a weird way, I was almost like born again. It was, it was, it was one of the most amazing, amazing experience I've ever had in my life. And I still to this day uh, thank Ronnie and think of Ronnie every time I hit the stage. Um, what that man did for me and what he gave to me without him even knowing it um, is something I'll forever be grateful for. Uh, I was on tour as a bass player for um, uh, a Los Angeles bass band called LA Guns. I did a three-month tour with them in the summer of 99. And um, after that tour, uh, they reformed as the original. And uh, I, I was out of a job, which which was okay. I think I made, in three months, made like $700 or something like that. So... Believe me, I wasn't too upset, but I do. I was always grateful for Tracy and, and Steve and, and Jizzy and those guys for giving me the opportunity and will forever be brothers because of that time we spent together. Yeah. I had a, a little side question just uh, just to take a little detour, not a hard left like Vic would do, but yeah. a, a little side one. Isn't it true <laughs> that when you were playing with L.A. Guns, there was a, you were basically a support band, but the headlining band wouldn't allow you to take your shirt off. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I was told, I was told, yes, by the headlining band, lead singer. Okay. Uh, that he'd prefer if I didn't take my shirt off. Oh, talk dirty to me. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Come on. 
I'm I not can't sure believe he that or not. But I, you know, he, it's kind of at that time I was I was so green. I'm like, oh okay, and then I'm going. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'll push the envelope, see if I get kicked off a tour. Uh, but no, no, uh, no repercussions, man. We had, should we had have looked at him and said, you know what? Open up and say, ah, because my body's great. You know, but we're not going to name names. We're not going to pull out anybody in that story. No, but we don't go ahead. Under the bus. <laughs> how do you like that? Yeah. So anyway, I'd like to uh, continue on how yeah. that Dio gig so, happened. Go ahead real quick. So with the Dio thing, so I, uh, Chris Leahy uh, was my bass tech for um, – Alice Cooper, which I'm sure some of you uh, longtime Alice Cooper fans may have run across Leahy. Um, and uh, he, he was also a really good friend of mine and a, a bass player. But he was he was teching for um, Jimmy Bain at the time uh, and uh, had fe- heard uh, that uh, Jimmy couldn't leave the uh, U.S. because of visa issues and that they were going to look for a new bass player. And the first guy that they wanted to have come back was Bob Daisley, who was a big big fan of mine. I'm a big fan of his. I love Bob's bass playing and you all know Bob from uh, Uriah Heath and um, uh, Rainbow. Huge uh, records. Um, he play all the Aussie albums. Yeah. Right? He's an amazing guy. Amazing bass player. Uh, so anyway, but they, Chris luckily spoke up and said, hey, I know a guy who knows all your songs. He just got off tour with LA Guns and uh, he's, he's got a valid passport. <laughs> got, well, okay, here, here's the story. <laughs> so I get a call from Wendy Dio. I'll never forget. Um, uh, out of nowhere, she just calls me and says, "I got your number from Chris Leahy, and we're gonna we'd like to audition you for Ronnie Ronnie's band. Would you like to audition?" And I said, "Of course, I would." Um, so she said, "Great." And um, I want to say she emailed me the the set the songs to learn, but I don't think I had email. I might have had an email at that time, but she anyway um, g- gave me the songs to learn. Um, she faxed seven, them at that point. She, she, might have, she, she may have just told me and I wrote them down using a pen and paper, old school. But, Courier uh, pigeon, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so I went home immediately and I learned the songs. It never really kind of sunk in what I was actually doing other than I thought this is the, a long shot and, you know, why would they, you know, why would I, I get this? But I'm going to do the best I can. And I knew the songs. I knew all the Black Sabbath stuff and the Rainbow stuff uh, and the Dio stuff. I was such a huge fan. So I uh, walked into rehearsal um, uh, in, uh, in Los Angeles, or actually the, the, the Valley, and um, Ronnie was just so welcoming and such a wonderful guy. And uh, Craig Goldie was playing guitar. Uh, Simon Wright was on drums. Scott Warren was a keyboard player but wasn't there that day, and it was just uh, Craig, Simon, myself, and Ronnie. And uh, we, uh, we introduced each to each other and had a, had a nice little conversation. Everything felt really nice and natural. Everybody was really really great guys. And, uh, obviously I knew all of them. Simon was in ACDC and, and, and Goldie was in Dio's band for all those years. And I think even Jafria. And of course there's, there's Ronnie himself, but uh, we ended up jamming four tunes. Um, uh, and, uh, after the songs went and they went really well, I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is going great. Um, Ronnie asked me, uh, he says, so do you have a passport? <laughs> and I said, yeah, which was a complete lie. I never thought I'd ever even leave the country. I had no, I had a driver's license, but I had no passport. Oh shit! So you didn't have a you didn't have a valid passport. I thought I just that not. was a given. No, yeah. I didn't have a passport, and I uh, scrambling. I said yes because I knew if I said no, then there goes the audition, right? And he said, "What are you doing in November?" Um, so it's August at this time in 1999. And I said, uh, nothing. And he says, well, we're going to go on tour with uh, motorhead 
and man of war and the first dates in Copenhagen and uh, goes through all of Denmark and, and Sweden. Sweden and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Norway. And, uh, I think, yeah, I think those were the main parts. It was a Scandinavian type tour. Um, would you be available for that? And I said, absolutely. He said, all right, well, um, here's the set list. He already, he had it printed out and gave it to me and, and said, um, welcome. And you're like, <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, this, this just happened. And, uh, I packed up my stuff and was making small talk as I, I went into my car. And at the time I had a 1978 primer red Camaro V8. Nice man. Actually. And I went in there and I cried my eyeballs out like a baby. Yeah. I could not believe that I just Tears of happiness. Rodeo, which was a dream of mine, but then got offered the opportunity to go on tour with him. And the reason why I was crying was because I didn't have a passport. <laughs> <laughs> so I and and to- how do you get one? Yeah, <laughs> I immediately went to the post office. That's where you go. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what to do. And I heard that's where I go. So I went to the post office. I signed up for a passport and but then you got to get those square pictures. They're not, yeah. they weren't digital back then. I think we had to go to some dude that would have a camera, a special camera that only did passport photos. Right. Yeah. It was, it was an experience. I was just so nervous. I remember filling out the application. It, it, it just taking my time to make sure I didn't mess anything up so that I could get this thing. And I didn't know when I was going to get it. I filled out the application, paid my money, took the picture, sent it in the mail. And um, September 22nd, Damn. I get a call from Wendy Dio's office. And how are you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing fine. And I just happened to go to the mailbox that day. And uh, we're talking on the phone. This was the time when you, know, you got the phone kind of connected to the wall still, you know. <laughs> Curly cord. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it's not that long ago. I probably had wireless. But anyway, I, um, I, uh, she said, Hey, we need some information from you. And I go, yeah, what do you need? She says, we need your passport information. And I looked down at the mail and there it was, just came in and I gave her special baby. That's an after school special story. Give her my passport number. And they say date of issue. And I say, September 22nd. 1999, which was that day <laughs> that they called me. Damn. And I was just thinking, I was when I said it, I was waiting for them to go, you didn't have a passport the entire time, right? Oh, yeah. it was, so it was just, it was, it was meant to be, man. And hey. I, knew it, I was on a plane. And one more quick story about the deal thing was we did only about two or three more rehearsals before we left for tour. And, um, the rest we, you know, we learned from home. Uh, and so when I got to Denmark, uh, is we, we flew in. I had no idea how anything worked. Um, I didn't know hotel rooms, per diems, uh, anything. And I immediately met one of my dear friends to this day, instantly met him as we walked into the elevator together. Um, Mickey D, um, drummer from Motorhead. And now and- we've been lifelong friends since that time. But um, I had no idea what was going on. And so... Uh, we went and did sound check and it did not go well. We didn't have much time and it was, uh, we were having a hard time. Ronnie was having a hard time with the monitors. We never even really got through more than one and a half songs. Uh, it just, we didn't get enough time. It was, it did not go well. So I remember I was backstage and we're getting ready to go on stage. And I look at Ronnie and I said, Hey man, 
what is happening? What, what's the intro? And he goes, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's an intro tape. It'll go on and uh, you'll hear a bunch of noises, scary noises. And then a lady will scream and Simon will give you a four count. And then you start the, the, the song Evolution. And I'm like, oh, which I'm playing along with the drums. But so we never rehearsed that. No, that wasn't part of the script. All that right, was so. not part of the rehearsal or anything. So now I'm on stage and one of those things where like immediately the lights go out and I go on stage before everybody else. The intro was going on. I am on stage. My bass is up. I've got my foot on the monitors and I'm just sitting there like waiting for someone to scream. Waiting for something to happen because I wasn't going to be caught, you know, backstage. And Simon oh goes, and I just go, da, 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 da. <laughs> I ripped into it and the lights go on and there was all these metal heads that I hadn't seen because I've been in this alternative world in Los Angeles where metal was dead, man. But here I was in Europe where it was just alive and it right. was, oh, oh man, it was electric. And Man, uh, dude, it, it, fun, it, man. It, it, it seems like all that energy has transcended into what you put into Bisto, because there is that punk vibe, there is that sort of alternative vibe that you have with Bisto. But at the end of the day, there's still that straight ahead, bang your head, jump around, you know, and and be squashed together type of thing that you can only get at a at a hard rock metal concert. And I love the way that you've been able to take all that experience and put it into your own band right now. Fuck, I I, I would really like to just have a whole episode about you know pre-bisto you know and then and then do a part two with bisto but i'm going to try and bring bisto into the conversation because honestly if you will indulge i would love to have a part two where we can just bs about us being in alice cooper and stuff but i i really wanted our our viewers to sort of find a little bit about chuck garrick that they might not have known because i know a lot of them have followed you from Bisto since uh, the early days, 2013, when it formed up until now. But they might not have heard those old stories. So, like I said, obviously I want to talk about the new stuff that you're doing with Bisto, but we, we got to come back and sort of fill in the gaps with with how we met through Alice because that actually happened right when you when you were in Dio. Yeah. And, and, and we met at a pre-Sweden rock concert or sort of hangout where all the bands were hanging out. Yeah. And and it was like Sweden rock two or three. I think it was Ingve. It was, Malm- it was yeah. the second one, right? Ever. Yeah. So yeah. it was, it was Ingve Malmsteen, Ronnie James Dio, Alice Cooper. Those were the three main acts and, and probably Europe at that time, but we didn't know or, 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 or electric boys or there was definitely, it was a lot of Swedish bands at that time that were supporting that festival. Cause it was young. It was new. It was something crazy happening in the South of Sweden, but it, we, yeah. we felt the energy. And I think there was only two stages back at that. Point. Yeah, there was two stages. Wow. Yeah. I remember driving in, dude. I remember driving in because if you remember, you you would drive in on your bus and there was this big cyclone fence and then you could see the the stages. They were like one stage is north and south. And then there was this big fence where everybody's in and they had this black um, visqueen blocking the fence from the top to, you know, so, you know, you would see you would see people's bodies 
Sorry, I'm in my robe. But you would only see this much of their bodies from the fence down. And there was a line of about 50 dudes in their Euro penises taking a look <laughs> on the fence as we drove by. And I wish so badly I had an iPhone back then because it was – Wendy was on the bus and she turned a bright red shade and we were laughing so hard because never in all my life have I seen so many of the same uncircumcised penises. <laughs> Euro penis equals uncircumcised for those yeah, of you keeping crazy. score at home. <laughs> amazing and it was so hilarious. But that's where I, I, I met you. I saw you. I was in the pit when you guys played because remember we switched. You guys had the tick. You guys were going to miss a flight. Yeah. So we had to switch slots. Ronnie was supposed to open for Alice, but we switched to give you guys enough time to get to your next flight. So I got to see you guys before we went on. And that was my first time I, I obviously knew of you, but I never really got this chance to see you. And uh, I remember watching that band and it was you specifically. I was thinking, God damn, I want to be in a band with that guy. And <laughs> be careful I what you wish for. <laughs> I would be the perfect bass player for Alice Cooper. Damn, you said that back then. And I then it. that is the ultimate, folks, imagining your reality. Yeah. Or, you know, because you yeah. you you put it out there to the world. I want to be in a band like this. You became in many bands like that because you played in more lineups than I think anyone else in the Alice Cooper band, yeah. different types of lineups. That's that's a killer story, man. And, I mean, I remember real quick, too, and I, I don't want to take up too much time, but I remember watching. I was just so mesmerized by the whole thing. And then, you know, when Calico came out, I, I just I was just thinking this this is a world I want to belong in. You know, I want to belong in this world with these people. It just, it looked so creative and, and fun. Um, and there was just, there was an element there that uh, it was intriguing. And I, 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 I just wanted to just sort of step my foot into the circle and see what it was like to be in a band with those type of performers, especially somebody as talented as Calico and, and right. her dad and, 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 and the band. And having well, that was during the Brutal Planet tour. And I remember it well all that stuff and it just seemed like this massive production and there's no talking and it's just straight ahead and and don't get me wrong uh you know being in ronnie's band was the same way it was so demanding musically but and i honestly say without being in dio i don't think i could have ever been transcended made, into, made into that transition like yeah. because ronnie ronnie was the type of guy who um if you made a mistake he would look right at you he would look at you and 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 he would acknowledge that hey he knows he's listening and he could sing your bass part he could sing your background harmony he could sing your guitar lead he could sing the keyboard part that guy was on it so i i was so precise with him and thank god for that because it's helped me with alice damn sounds like prince sounds like if you were put you're playing in a band with prince or or steven tyler man that's why it's so weird when alice never says really anything and ronnie uh, used to have meetings after every show yeah, that is a big, big difference with Alice. Alice, though, hears he hears things. Yeah, that he he just he chooses his moments when to bring it up, and, and he's and that's why I always say he's the coolest boss to ever he, you could ever ask for because he'll think about something. He'll really take a step back, think about it before he steps in and says something. But then when he says it, you better change it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's very true. Alice believes that um, the one thing I love about Alice is that he does truly believe that he is surrounded by the best musicians in the world. Uh, he, he surrounds himself with people he trusts. 
uh, and um, he knows that we're going to work hard. I think you and I, hey, there you go. Hey, Coop. Yeah. <laughs> well, Look at I him. Think- He's looking at me. He doesn't even care. No, no, because you know what? The last time that that happened where Alice went through one of those things is when Glenn Sobel wore white tennis shoes for, for a string of shows. And he didn't say anything until about the third or fourth show. And then what did he say? He said, Glenn, change your shoes. And he did. And everything was great after that. Everything was fine. <laughs> yeah, it's an all-black policy. You know that. <laughs> Well, hey, man, let's move on a l- real quick because, like I said, I do want to have um, a part two eventually where we talk about all the things Alice and, of course, dive deeper into Bisto. But uh, currently with Bisto, um, because I know this, uh, you've obviously started since 2013. This is now your fourth album, like fourth ver- or is it third, third album? Third Would you call it record one live album? Yeah, yeah. So it would be the fourth yeah uh, fourth actually release and that is we are right now yeah. that is the, that is the current lineup do you want to talk about the current lineup and and how this uh, album we are came to be and where people can find it right now if they don't already own it yeah so current lineup uh, bring up that picture again vic there you go that vic, that picture was taken by vic correct yeah said it yeah. well he wouldn't put it up if it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, uh, so from right to left, we got uh, Sean Sellers on drums. I don't know why. I told, I told him he's, he needs to wear a shirt. It should only be one person <laughs> taking his shirt off. That sounds like a certain lead singer yeah, from a certain you know, tiny band. Listen, you know what? I'll let this one slide. Oh, boy. Uh, then, obviously, of course, the uh, dangerous and ever so um, talented uh, Calico Cooper. Yep. Um, look how high her hips are. She's so much taller than the rest of us. And she looks like she's really, literally trying to crush your spine with her elbow. Why is that? Why is she doing that? I think she's just you know making room. Get out of the way, kid. <laughs> uh, then myself and uh, my best pal, uh, Brother Latham, there. Uh, yeah, They're always screaming at each other. He had his pick in his mouth. Yeah, I was trying to do my best um, Slayer. Remember the uh, the first Slayer record, the back of the Slayer album? They had a cool picture of them. It always looks so real to me. You then, say uh, you say Slayer. I always say Sha Na Na Bowser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Jan Legrau from uh, from uh, Germany, California. We say he's, he's he's born and raised in Germany. Still lives in Germany, but has a huge California tattoo across his chest. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the band. That's the lineup, man. And uh, the, the record is called We Are. Uh, our latest release, and we've been we've been touring on that. We support in support of uh, the the record we toured with Hailstorm last year. Right. Was last, that was last year with uh, Palais Royale. Yeah, and Palais you, Royale and, and uh, Blanco and uh, guys. Yeah, what a great tour that was. I mean, I really felt like we became a band on that that tour. That's um that's that's uh Rocklahoma right there. Um, yeah, and with my my. Uh, my ESP, my black baby, black baby. Well, that's, that's another thing. I, that's one of the questions because one of the easy things about this gig for me today was one, I hang out with you a lot. So I, there's never a, uh, a dull moment for us to not talk about, but I, I felt 
it would be easy to put up on my Instagram stories. Like, is there any questions that you want to ask uh, Bisto? And then I wouldn't have to do as much work, you know, ask, go looking for those hard ass questions. So basically I found a few things uh, that people sent in and one person actually wrote, would you rather play bass for Alice Cooper or guitar for Bisto Blanco? Or are you in, in that perfect world of balance? Yeah, would you? Beast, uh, guitarist for Bisto Blanco, bassist for Alice Cooper. Well, um, I I do try to find balance. I try to find balance in, in everything I do um, in life. I am definitely, and this is the truth, um, I am a bass player. Uh, it's, it's an instrument that once it was in my hands felt very natural um guitar to me um is something i i still want to do i read an interview with lemmy uh uh and i don't even say his last name because we all know who lemmy is uh or what band but anyway uh he he was saying that he played guitar first and he was such an awful guitar player that he switched the bass and that is very similar to the way i feel uh, when I am playing guitar, it's actually um, just recently uh, I feel like I'm starting to play guitar and not play bass with a guitar. I I always I have a tendency that I'm picking really hard or I'm you know because of my aggressive way of singing and the way I'm playing. But I've learned through the years with practice that you know to, to play lighter and and to learn to play guitar differently than what I would play bass. But uh, I'm much better and much more comfortable with the bass guitar around my neck than I am with the guitar right now. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, well, I, I, I've so seen much. you in both. So I can, I can sort of critique it from an outsider's point of view. Cause yeah, I've seen yeah. it from both. Yeah. I think you, you have two different roles that you shine really equally as far as talent wise, because because you shine as a singer, you shine as a front man, as a guitar player, and you use the guitar a, a little bit um, like the way Paul Stanley does in Kiss, where yeah. it kind of seems like it's, it's an accessory. But at the yeah. same time, if it wasn't there in the band, it would completely change the sound of the band. Uh, folks out there, if you, if you don't know how important Paul Stanley is to the sound of Kiss and his rhythm guitar playing and his lead guitar playing, it's so important and that's the way i I look at you in that role then as far as the bass player in alice cooper well it's just solid i always feel that you know you're you're you can be just the bass player that hangs out in the back and looks cool the phil mog of of ufo sort of guy you know or that that sort of cool vibe but then as soon as you come to the front i see that you being a lead bass player is not out of the question you know, it's it, it much. <laughs> How many pictures did you take of them, Vic? <laughs> you could have the whole portfolio. I Woo! love it. <laughs> he is on fire. <laughs> All right. So enough of me brown nosing my, my, no, my hey, compadre you know that I'm on the stage right with every night. But go ahead. Real, real quick, though, let me just add to this. I, I think that, you know, what I've learned with. Like especially because I, I we're we're I listen very closely to what's going on around me every night. I mean I I in my in ear mix I have a really solid well rounded 
record quality mix and it's and, and with bass obviously being a little bit louder but i have ryan in my ears i have tommy in my ears i have nita you know uh tommy's in my left side ryan's in my right nia's pan center yeah but i listen because i listen to especially ryan's playing in a way because you you pick out melodies stuff that's not even on the record but yet it sounds like it should be and it's very artistic you. the way you 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 play guitar and you create things out of thin air and out of there's there's such musicality in it. And so with Bisto, I try to incorporate the guys that have inspired me to play guitar and I treat it more of just like a, I'm learning more of it as a canvas. So with Bisto, I'm more free because it is sort of my thing. If I want to try something new, I can. And um, and I, I try to just sort of paint a picture in the song and I, I love bands like sonic youth where i just feel like the guitar is just a paintbrush of stuff right. going on and sounds and i i want to incorporate more of of that you know with with my guitar playing because i think being a lead guitar player is not something i strive for as much as i strive for to be an artist with the guitar well i think personality wise the fact that you are so like i said uh, you're diligent and you're and you definitely have this certain way of doing things with your lifestyle that, mm-hmm. that can be regimented and it's good it's called discipline right but then musically you always sort of lean a little bit more to the messy like you said maybe a little a notes a little bad tune there and that blend is a perfect blend of that punk energy but still heaviness that you have to have for that type of music that bisto plays it has to be there man i have to feel alive on stage otherwise you know it can just be da, 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 very regimented on a time code every yeah. night now we got to mix it up to feel alive dude i want to stand on the edge of a cliff and look down and just have my heart racing for a second Otherwise, you know, I want to feel alive. All right. I'm going to go on to one more question from, right. from the from the crowd, that from my Insta interviewers, my Insta uh, sort of crack team of, uh, of studiers that uh, wanted to know about, well, I'm not going to get to that question yet. First base ever. Your first base ever. Yeah. Because I know you, you are a – um, connoisseur of the finer bases in life, whether it's a it's a Fender P bass or if it's yeah. jazz bass or if it's the Gibson Thunderbird, like you have, and now it's Epiphone that you've been uh, currently endorsing. What are your was your first bass, and what are your bases that you're playing now? Well, okay, so I started off playing the trumpet in in, uh, in elementary school. Shit, that was uh, mine too, trumpet too. Yeah, How did we well, both ended up playing trumpet. Yeah. You know, Ronnie, Ronnie Dio was played the trumpet as well. And he is and was a bass player. That's what he played. But he, he also played the trumpet. Um, I so my first bass and this will definitely um, a, a, aside from the color of my beard, show my age a little bit. Um, I ordered my first bass from a catalog, a Sears catalog, because now remember, I grew up in a very small town. There was less than, I think, 15,000 people where I grew up. It was not very, there was more people on the block in my apartment building I lived in in, in LA than there was in my <laughs> entire city I grew up in. Um, and so there was a little a little window. It was almost like a, you know, like a little tiny shop. It had, you know, one, a door you'd open up and you would go there with your order form that you ordered from this catalog and you're, you know, come you send the money and in four weeks go check to see if your shipment has come in so i had ordered a base through sears catalog and it was called a global 
and it was shaped like a Fender P bass. How very Jack White of you. How, yeah. How about gold, that? Black, <laughs> black with gold uh, horizontal stripes, three of them, and then a global uh, emblem on the on the headstock. And the bass neck itself, as you know, is supposed to have a slight, just a slight bend. This yeah. thing did like a U-turn. It was just a disaster. <laughs> did but, you play that in Touch of Class? Was I did. That, uh, okay. <laughs> you go, dude, if anyone can find a picture of Chuck's first base and, and Touch of it's Class, hard, it's a it's winner. Hard. And the funny thing is, Ryan, if you remember, and, and you know, because we're the same age, but I'll, I'll never forget when I was a kid, I, I wanted a, a mongoose bicycle a motocross oh, of course um, i wanted a monoshock i actually yeah. wanted to call my band monoshock because i thought do you, do you remember the, the 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 bike it had a a, a shock in the middle of the bike so yeah. it could, could, could kind of yeah. but yeah. but the mongoose was like actually kind of a really cool it's like it, mongoose, was, and it had the gooseneck it had the gooseneck it's before uh, it was before BMX. They didn't. They called oh, yeah. it motocross. No, right or, or something yeah, like that. It was called BMX, I think, at that time. Did but we I call them really bad. They were light aluminum frame bikes, and we could do more tricks on jumps and things like that. And at the time, I had from Kmart, which was called a Huffy, and the Huffy yeah. was made out of like metal lead. <laughs> yeah, it was just. It, just a, the pop wheelie on a Huffy was like it took it was, effort, and you couldn't really get it to go that far. And it was made dad, out of Chernobyl tin. <laughs> and my dad said, "When you can pop a wheelie on a Huffy, I'll get oh you a box." Wow, that's cool. So I learned. I would practice every day, oh, lifting up this Huffy, and God would weigh seven hundred pounds, and I finally could do a wheelie for you know whatever it was, you know twenty feet, whatever. And I ended up getting the Huffy. And so when I bought my my global base, yeah. uh, that was sort of my well until I can. I need to be able to pop a wheelie on this global before I can get a Fender. Shit, man! I, you know what? I was lucky. I, I sort of slid into that by nepotism, or I don't know, nepotism. Just nice grandparents. Yeah. My grandpa, I remember coming out from Indiana. Him in Indiana, they came to visit in California. He went to a bike shop. It was my grandma, actually. Yeah. Not my grandpa. My grandma bought me a Schwinn, Schwinn uh, yeah. Stingray. It was, oh, it, yeah. it, it, was, it was that green stingray. And, and then, then, then I wanted to put on the motocross handlebars and then, then the cool, it was always about the grips for me. Wasn't it? Didn't you have to get special grips oh, yeah. as well? Ask me what happened to the Huffy. What happened to the Huffy Chuck? Um, I left it in my um, driveway and went in for dinner No luck. and it, it, it someone took it. Yeah. And so a couple of days later, my friend goes, hey, I've seen your Huffy. And I go, where is it? And he goes, I saw it parked behind this, um, it was like this abandoned television um, uh, housing thing, which is only a couple blocks away from my house. So I went there to go find it. And uh, there it was. And I went to go take it back. And the Menendez brothers were a little bit of the rougher side of the tracks and they're the ones who took it well, they, they killed their parents or is this, are we talking about the long no, their, their last name was Menendez. <laughs> okay I think and, uh, I went, and i was young at the time and, and i was a little kid you know i was you know just a small guy even though you know even in high school i was only like 90 pounds anyway i went to take my bike back and um that was my first ass kicking 
They kicked the shit out of me. I you my, were trying to repo your own bike. I hit my, my bike back and I got beat up. Uh, and uh, they, they took off with my bike again. Damn it. Uh, and uh, I'm, it, it, I'm happy that we have a, that we have a show like this because if, yeah. we were, if this was basically some sort of, uh, you know, if it was blabbermouth interview, we would have to stick to the music. But instead yeah. I yeah. asked you about a bass and we end up talking about you getting <laughs> yeah. your ass kicked by I a Huffy. Trying to take my own bike back, which now. And it was a Huffy that you get your ass kicked for. Damn it. They, they, they were big. They were tough kids. They were, I remember watching them fight each other they were brothers and they would fight each other at times and it was brutal and it was scary and i was scared man but i wanted my bike and i they took it from me and uh we never saw it again of course i had two older brothers that were also um really good at um the fisticuffs oh okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> they taught me how to fight from that point on and they told me next time i see them to uh you know they showed me what to do and, and how to defend myself and uh uh I, I never did see the guys again and never did see that bike. If well, you got I know that you're out there. <laughs> if, or, or a picture of Touch of Class, <laughs> we want it. <laughs> um, the thing is, though, Chuck, I, I, you're, you're, you're a pretty mild-mannered guy. I mean, you're, not, yeah. you're pretty zen most yeah. of the time, yeah, but right. you have a sense of right and wrong. And I've seen you at points, and, and, and maybe it's because we're both – we're not big guys. We're kind of like the, we're kind of good rock, rock and roll size, you know, five, eight, five yeah. around there. If, yeah. I, if you ask my wife, I'm five, seven, but if you ask me, I'm five, nine, somewhere around yeah. there. So um, the thing is I've seen you when it, it's a case of this is not a right thing to do. You learn different languages because we were in Germany. I think it was the, it might've been Wacken or it was one of those German fest uh, shows that we were doing. And somebody tried to peek into Nita Strauss's dressing room while she was dressing and you just went like ballistic in the dressing room. You jumped up, you look out the window and you go, that's is for Bolden. And I was like, holy shit, he speaks German. The dude would be like, how did he know that? <laughs> so don't mess with Chuck. Don't fuck with Chuck. That's hey, my remember new now. hashtag. Don't fuck with Chuck. Don't fuck with Chuck. Well, because I was in a band with, you know, Jan, who's from Germany, and I picked up right. some of the words. And I think actually uh Das Verboten <laughs> was uh was something I had uh Brian Nelson, Alice's old uh one of those perfect time in your life where you know it, it worked. It worked so perfectly, and uh, it, it was the timing couldn't have been better. And there was a lot of humor behind it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't learn different languages. Uh, I learn different words <laughs> and phrases from different languages. So, from that first base, you moved on, obviously, to Gibson to Epiphone. Yeah. And what what are you you're currently playing? You're because aren't you currently playing like a sparkle sort of masterpiece? Yeah. So I've got uh, you know I've, as you know I've switched. To, uh, Gibson basses. I'm using my, um, my Thunderbird, uh, the tobacco Thunderbird. Sounds great. Uh, the Epiphone, the white Epiphone that we used a lot in this last run. There's tons of pictures um, Vic has of those. Bring one up, Vic. White Thunderbird. <laughs> Vic's like, oh, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> They're not, I didn't take any pictures of white Thunderbird. No, no there you go. It's all right. Let's Close enough. You are. Um, <laughs> So I got the white one, and then Epiphone Gibson was so great, gracious to build me uh, a replica of the the white one, and they stripped it and put a nice sparkle uh, silver on it. It's, it's beautiful. 
And um, uh, it has the original pick guard, uh, one of the old original pick guards from the uh, 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 Nikki Six's uh, Thunderbirds, his uh, his signature bases. So that that is on there as, as well from uh, one that one of the builders had collected through the years and thought it would be perfect place for it to live on that base. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, so see, I got one more question to you from from my Insta Story crack team of uh, top men working on it and women working on the questions. Um, Because, well, there's actually two more uh, sort of points that I'll get before I sort we sort of wind things down. But I honestly, Chuck, thank you so much. By the way, for for coming on these things because I know we sometimes we tend to run a little bit long, but it's because your stories are so entertaining that I feel we need a part two and we will, but I don't mind going a little bit longer. If you don't mind, I don't mind. You're, you're a great host, man. This is your, this is your thing. I, I've always been, and, you know, encouraged you to, to have yeah. your own show of some sort. You're, you're a great uh, host. You ask the right questions. You, you, you know, I always feel comfortable talking to you. I, you know, it's, it's obviously it's easy because I'm talking to one of my best friends and somebody who knows me so well. And I know so well, we're, friends of you know families and all the stuff in between and uh i just think what you're doing is fantastic man and Thanks, i, I, man. I appreciate it i'm sorry you had to bring me on because you, you, <laughs> you're day. a headliner man are you kidding me you're breaking all the records right now you're breaking the internet and uh-huh. i know i know we were talking before the show that you might put out your own show because but that's all in the works all on the down low if it comes out i think it's a great idea just so you know oh. But uh, but I sh- the love from the chat uh, has been amazing so far. Um, one of the things before I dive into my last sort of obviously what everyone here has been chatting about all day um, is you are known for a lot of your tattoos that you have because you, you do have a lot of work done. And of course, it which is quite funny because the guy that you play next to and both the guys you play next to have zero. You're yeah. sandwiched in between Alice and I. So you're like an we're like an opposite Oreo. It's yeah. like two stuffs and one Oreo <laughs> right there. But you have a lot of uh, a lot of cool tattoos. Uh, one of the questions was, which is the one that's most meaningful to you and that you have? Well, uh, I have my daughter's handprint. That is very cool. Right on your back, right? I, I, I remember that. I think it's this one. Yeah. yeah oh, no, wait, I don't know. It's on this arm. Uh, <laughs> so How mean. old was she when she did and, and a lot of people. Okay. So the, no, I, mean, I, I don't have, I don't really think of tattoos uh, to get them to have some sort of meaning. Um, I've never really taken tattoos that way. Um, when I was getting tattoos at a young age, I just strictly renamed them girl getters. Uh, they, they're just something to just kind of go along with the, with the music vibe. And, uh, uh, my buddy Ian did tattoos. I got my first tattoo from a, you know, picking one off the, the wall there at some biker tattoo place in North Hollywood. But, um, the one with my leash with uh, my daughter, Alicia's handprint was really, um, had a lot of significance to me because for most of you don't know, I was, you know, I, I was a single dad from when Alicia was one years old, uh, when her mom and I split, uh, I had full custody of, of Alicia and um, I raised her, you know, pretty much on my own for the first nine years of her life. Although with all respect to her mother, she's a wonderful woman and, and, and a great mom. Uh, she was involved. Uh, it's just I had a lot more time with, with my daughter. Um, and but, you still uh, managed to split 
rock and roll, working, yeah. making the ends meet, and yeah. raising a daughter. And I think that's very, very, very commendable, man. Yeah. Wow. And so at the age of, age of nine, um, she had decided that she wanted to see what it was like to live at mom's house. And I don't even know why I did this, but she did. She wanted to go live with her mom. And I I thought that was important for her and for her mother as well. And I was so busy on the road. So um, I had her put her handprint on uh, a piece of paper and took it into this uh, girl um, to uh, reverse, obviously. And uh, then she put it on my arm and tattooed it. And that sort of was just a way for her to always sort of be there. That's amazing, man. See. That is a good question. Everyone out there, I will yeah. do this more up for part two. I will definitely put out there more questions because I did yeah. want to know which one was the most significant because you do have work done on both sides and in, in, in back and it just keeps going. Yeah. Do you do you feel there will be a time when because you just had one? I remember the I think the last one you got was the hand tattoo, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was done old school style. It was yeah. and, and I remember, wow. yeah. That didn't feel good. No, <laughs> more. It was. It was not that painful at all. To be quite honest with you, Mo. Actually, this this stuff here on my wall is uh, art from that same tattoo artist, Mo. Um, he, you know he. Um, you know Mo. From, of course, Mo's Hawaii. Mo's from Hawaii, right? They're, they're living in Hawaii still. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know. Mo and Monique. You know. But uh, yeah. yeah, he did the the tatau tattoo on my hand, and it was something that really wasn't even. To be honest with you, explain uh, that to some people that don't know, because a lot of people get tattoos with needles, right? Yeah, with the gun. Yeah. And this Uh, is done by what? So uh, Mo does the traditional tattooing, which is done by a tapping technique. There's a uh, I don't know if I'm going to use the right word, so I'll just use the best way I can explain it is there's sort of a long stick and it's got one needle in it and that rests on your skin and. And Mo has a specific rhythm that he uses, whatever it is. He has his own rhythm. It's an art. It's it's, it's an art form. It's his own rhythm that he has, and that's how he tattoos you. And there's a traditional way of the significance of what each thing means. I mean, there's different symbolisms on there. Each needle, each, each, each tool has its own sort of design on it. And that sort of tells the story. Now, keep in mind, I did not have a choice of whether – I didn't even really ask Mo to tattoo me. He, We were talking. He grabbed my hand, and he says, I want to tattoo your hand. He chose what it was and where it goes. Man. And That's so a lot of trust you put into him right yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, let, I, mean, I love him. I, he's, he's, he's got such a man, you know, such an energy about him. And uh, I was very, well, you lost, you, you lost me at the big stick with the little needle. And I, I, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not ever getting a tattoo that way. I Hell no. It was going to be a, more painful. And if you remember, we had a concert that night. I played the show. Holy shit, that's right. My hand, and it would swallow. And you, you gave him a hard time. You said, <laughs> You said, Mo, what did you do to Chuck's hand? And he was so worried because it was extremely, it was swollen and it was puffy and there was no definition in the knuckles or anything. But as you can see, it's it's cool. I like it. It's turned out amazing. It looks yeah. great. Damn. But this is a cool one because it's got a lot of protection there for, for our type of work and and, uh, and what we go through and um, a lot of protection there that I, 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 I think that uh, came from a real pre- place of love for uh, from Mo. Very good. Cool. Yeah. I mean, all these questions are amazing. I have 
two more, if, that, if that's okay, if you got time for us? Yeah. All right? Because I because these, I mean, if, if I you got to run around and do a bunch of errands. I don't know. It, it's you're you're in Nashville right now. You're kind of in a hot spot, so you might want to just stay in zone. You know, look at the guy in back of you. He's not faring so well. The yeah, cow. yeah. He, he didn't. He didn't. He did not follow the rules. It's safer at home. He did that's not. Right there. <laughs> the um uh, regarding Bisto, um, yeah. and this is another thing that that uh, maybe not every fan knows, but there's a lot of inspiration from the lyrics come from your wife. Yeah, and um, a lot of it comes from poetry. A lot of it comes from um, collaborations that the two of you actually work on together. How does that? work out with the songwriting process usually when you have a bisto song and what uh lindsey will come up with um yeah so the first record uh live fast die loud was i i'd written most of the lyrics all of them really and then there's a little collaboration there on a song called california and breakdown um, Great song. But, yeah thank you and uh she, she i always noticed that you know she's she's a amazing writer with her poetry and uh and just in general she's somebody who practices writing just as a um a way to um uh just get get it out it's something she does every morning she she'll journal uh her therapy her therapy is done from her her writing and and i just was like wow this is really beautiful lyrics we should try writing a song together or this poem um so it just turned out to be one of those things where uh, she had said to me, Hey, I wrote a song. Now she doesn't play an instrument, but she had a melody in her head, um, which was, um, I see the edge of the water, like the edge of a grave. She started humming this to me. Death rattle, death, death rattle. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. So I instantly grabbed my guitar and I don't, and it just was one of those things. And that's honestly, you see that in movies a lot. Like, hold on. Well, and that's you, the organic process, the real way of writing a song. The first song we wrote together was Death Rattle. And Lindsay's got a really unique way, a really unique talent to um, her, her writing, which I, 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 I don't know how she does it, but she's, she's great at it. One, one thing she does that's really important is um, if I write a tune and I have a melody, I will sing. I am instructed to only say word nonsense words. So if I have a melody, like you know, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, I can't I can't say a word. But I got to get the melody with this gibberish, and then she follows sort of the bouncing ball, and she'll okay. she'll write down how many syllables are in each phrase. And then, she, and then, and she'll ask me what what I was thinking when I wrote it, and then she'll write a song from it, like their song from "Follow the, the Lyrics from Follow the Bleed." Um, that is a process, man. It, it's an amazing process. Uh, she also one night when we were just she was just watching TV, and she said, "Mute, mute the TV, stop it, turn it off." And I go, "What? What? Do you, what's going on?" And I thought something happened, and she says. I may not been born with a crown on my head, but mom gave me muscles and knuckles instead. And I was like, <laughs> what? She goes, that's your credo. That's who you are. Wow. And I, I instantly picked up the guitar and we wrote, and I based it sort of off the Dirty Deeds type of a, a jam, but we, we wrote that tune kind of thing. And then, and then came in a whole other relationship. 
because now we're collaborating together. And if it's not sung the way it was written, or if I change <laughs> this, or I change that, it's just like. <laughs> oh, so now yeah. all of a sudden you're Garfunkel. Ooh, yeah, she's Simon. Uh, you're Garfunkel right now, baby. Uh, one of the things she did, I was completely blown away with, uh, which was Solitary Rave, because that was her spending time with Calico, and they just. Um, so right. much love for Lindsay, man. So have, much love. Have a moment and uh, in Calico, uh, tell, tell, telling her the, you know her story of how she does this thing and a solitary rave, and you know it, it was sort of an, it was an inspiration. Well, we had that. We just had uh, solitary rave air on the last uh, Sunday live stream Sunday, which those of you can check it out right now. It's episode eight, or you can go on to Bisto's. Uh, Facebook or homepage, wherever. I know you have it posted because you just did a solitary sort of isolation video yeah. with one of those songs on that was yeah. with, I know it was with a German uh, Rolling Stone and it, yeah. it, it, it was some territories weren't able to air it, but now it's available everywhere. I know I've seen it on your, um, I've seen it on your Facebook and I know it's on our last episode of Sunday, Sunday live stream Sunday. So if you are watching on uh, YouTube, you can just subscribe to our YouTube channel and check it out right after we finish up here. But uh, yeah. how did that all come about with that? And how was it? How was that? That, was, that was from Calico uh, her, you know, as we all know Calico is an actress as well and, and an amazing writer and um, uh, has uh, such such talent and such gift that, that woman's mind is um is so creative and so brilliant and just sometimes she'll explain to me dreams that she's had or visions that she had or ideas that she had and and wow i mean it's just like it, it is it is a movie and as you know she directed you know the seeker and solitary rave and all these things and, and she's working on more videos as we speak um she's just an absolute joy to work with and i i, I really want I, I want to do more with with this with her ideas um and just keep you know pol you know polishing that talent because it, it it's something else to to witness i i, I really am blessed to be uh, able to collaborate with uh with calico i i admire her and have such a fondness and love for that woman um and she's just she's a, a force to be reckoned with um you guys so, have such a good creative relationship and, and now that I know that 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 uh, yeah. Lindsay and the other and the other Bisto Blanco yeah. members are, it, it is a very big collaborative that you guys have going. Yeah. it's, it's, it's a very cool process. God. Yeah, and Calico has a PR company for her acting, and they took on a couple things for Bisto, and they got off. They got the offer from from the PR company from Rolling Stone there in Germany, and uh, uh, Music Express and uh, Metal Hammer, and we we filmed it and recorded it and. Um, sent it off and they did the rest and it was, it was awesome. It was fun. It was, it was a different thing for us to do. It was very challenging. Sounded great, man. I mean, for those of you that haven't seen it, uh, go check out our last week's Sunday live stream Sunday, or go on to uh, Chuck's face, uh, actually the beast of Blanco's Facebook. Yeah. Cause that's the, that's the, that's the thing I want people to understand that, that they, that aren't already following you or following me. If they're following you, where, how, what's the best way to go? Because I know you just started your own official Chuck Garrick Instagram, yeah, Instagram, and you said that was a cool process to build it up yourself and and sort of have that whole. 
thing flourish by itself, but they also at Bisto Blanco. So wh- what are the Instagrams that people can go check yeah, out? At Bisto Blanco on Instagram, Bisto Blanco Facebook. I think those are the best. You're going to get most of your information. If you want you know, more personal stuff from me, official Chuck Garrick on Instagram. Uh, that's the one I'm personally posting on. Uh, it's, it's, it's a nice platform. Uh, I don't, it's, it's tough one for me, man. The social media thing is, is I know I have to do it. And and I've never been, um, it's, it's been really eye opening because we were so blessed to have the fans that we have for Bisto. And and one of the reasons why I did do it is because of the the people I've, I've connected with from Alice and, and Bisto and, and the dedication they have for keeping us afloat, keeping our bands alive. If it wasn't for them, we couldn't do any of it. I mean, we just did a tour. We were on tour in March, and obviously we had to cut it short because of the, the C word. But we we um, we were so greatly supported by our fans, and and they they were there uh, in full force. And 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 you see the love for what we're doing. And and for me, it's a way to stay connected to the ones that um, you know that that mean a lot to us and that are, are keeping us alive doing this. And so that's the way I look at the social media more of a, not as a advertising forum or a place for me to earn more followers or, or, you know, uh, sponsors. I just want to be, uh, I just want to show the people that love what I do uh, as a, as an artist, uh, make sure that I'm showing them the, the love back, you know? That's cool, man. Well, you know what? Yeah. They found out a lot. I hope yeah. listening to this podcast so far they found out uh maybe they've scratched the surface of what chuck eric is and then they, we dealt you know we went deep into some areas that i think they might not have uh, heard about before so i'm really happy that we were able to accomplish that but like i said there's always room for part two there's always room for more i can't thank you enough for coming on one last sort of thing before that everybody's been talking about the obvious Beardgate, what is up with Beardgate? Is it going to last? Is it going to? Uh, do you think? How did it start? Because this is not the first time that there's been a beard, a Chuck Beardgate, and I know that a lot of people out there are loving the beard, yeah. and, and 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 I don't know anybody that's not. Well, actually, I know one person. <laughs> that's it. But what is Beardgate, and uh, and what is it for you? And will you will you show your face again? You know what, man? I think I'm going to enjoy the process right now of growing the beard um, I, I, because I can. And I'm actually quite impressed with how even it's it's coming in. It, it looks nice. So I've, I've purchased the uh, beard, you know, shampoo and conditioner. <laughs> I've purchased the beard comb. And the, oh, you went all in. All right. And, cool. uh, yeah, and the, um, the perfume. If you could smell my beard, it's wow. it's. Oh, it's 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 like cognac and. Did you get beard grooming I, tips from Kyler Clark? No, no, man, I I, I haven't. There's, there's some. There, it's it's amazing what is online. There's actually people who you know. This is what they talk about or how to grow your beard and trim your. Is there beard. beard porn sites? Is that what you're telling oh, me? Maybe <laughs> there could be. If anybody would know. But yeah. uh, I, uh yeah. I, I don't know, man. Those I'm, are rabbit holes I have not gone down. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll keep going, man, and, and maybe be, be and sort of like my my way of the Ben Roethlisberger say, I'm not going to shave this until we get back out on the road again. So that's probably what go. I'll end up doing. Um, I don't know if it's something that necessarily fits in the uh, on the stage with Alice Cooper, 
Uh, but um, I will we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But maybe I'll just let it keep growing and see what comes out of it. And then uh, we'll do a big, you know, shear the beard type charity thing or something. He's so beardo. I love it. Yeah. She, she, uh, like I did dreads for bread. You yeah, could do exactly. something like, uh, you know, shave the, sh- the shavings of yeah. your beard. We'll do it yeah. live on your television show here. <laughs> Uh, we'll have people donate to their favorite charity or something, and we'll make a big process out of it. I love it. For for those of you who are on the chat, if you come up come up with the best hashtag for uh, Chuck's Beard Gate, that'll be great. And there you go. You've had so much love throughout the whole entire episode. Yeah, I love from- everything. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you as well, Chuck. Um, like I said, we yeah, can't. Yeah. They found it. There's the, the white base. The white. It may not be fast, but they sure are slow. <laughs> well, let's bring him on I while had he's it there for a while. I just didn't want to interrupt until the end because it was magic, wasn't yeah, it? It was. All right, that's a great well, picture. It is a good one. <laughs> that one. Well, there you go. I just wanted to thank everybody that's been uh, watching the the show so far. That's that's the rat right there. He's been monitoring the chat, putting all your comments up. That's Vic that's been uh, basically putting the ins and outs and making it look all so colorful. Again, if you're watching us or listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, this means nothing to you. That's why you should go over to YouTube or Facebook Live and subscribe to us. And definitely follow uh, Mr. Garrick at uh, his official channel. Garrick Instagram and Bisto Blanco. Uh, I just gave Dave the hook, and now Vic, you're getting the hook. Watch that. <laughs> it's become a thing, man. So, anyway, Chuck, hang on just for a couple minutes while I shut it down. But you know what? Everybody that's been uh, watching and listening to this podcast, it's been a very special one. We've had Chuck Garrick from the band Bisto Blanco, also happens to play bass for the almighty Alice Cooper and sort of my right-hand guy on stage right. We were next to each other all the time. It's been a pleasure, Chuck. Thank you so much. Anything you want to say going out? No, I just want to say, dude, please keep up this, what you're doing. I love it. It's amazing. I, I don't know what I can do to help you, uh, but you need. We need to get you on some sort of network television show. You're a great host. You're as good as the as Johnny Carson or any of those guys, man. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's amazing. Um, I think I'm on Roxy TV right now. That's about well, you know, and that, not in a ham sandwich. I've always I always <laughs> believed in in you. It, it, this is your this is your forum, and I think you're wonderful at it. And I I wish you the best of luck. And I, I'd like to get you some more, you know. You're doing it. You you said what you what you what can you do to help me? You've already done it today. You've come on the uh, in the trenches podcast, and it's been nothing but a good time. Again, another little reference to that headlining band. Oh, I had to go out on that. that so good. thank you. Thank you very much, Chuck Garrick. Um, for those of you that are uh, watching, we please follow Chuck. Please follow all of us on the In the Trenches podcast. And until next time, enjoy the ride. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello.